Episode 255 Bird. of HR Talk. This is JC coming at you live all the way from the northern shore of the United States. Think about that. The northern shore of the United States. It really limits you. It really limits you. But it's a big shoreline. It's very good. It's very big. And all the way from sunny central Florida, the man, the myth, the legend... Uh, you know him, you love him, Ricky Baez. Hello, hello. How you a lot doing, of man? people will call where you're from, South, actually North Mexico. That's what the <laughs> face calls it. Because <laughs> I guess he's Canadian. I don't North know. Mexico. Listen to that guy. That's funny. That's funny. It's good stuff. I hey, it's, the face. this is good to be back. I miss the face as well. I I do have a update from the face of the franchise for you, by the way, Rick. Go ahead. Yes, uh, my last update was he will never be back on the program until you get him that thing that he wants. That's the last thing I know. What's the thing that he wants? I cannot get him plastic surgery to fix his face. I can't do that. He keeps asking for it. See, I'm telling I, him I can't do that, brother. I thought, and and this is just me, I thought what he wanted was those burritos from that, what's the name of that place in... in uh, Diego, something Diego's. In, uh, the kind Cocoa Diego's Beach. in Cocoa Beach, I think it is. Something like that. I have been there. There was a it's picture so that went out on the uh, Instagram, on the I HR Talk it. Instagram yeah, that. of that place. It's got the name of it on there. I don't know if you have the Instagram pulled up, but if you go there, it's an amazing spot. They've got like all these different hot sauces and amazing different. Per- if you're a Space Coast junkie, if you're da- listen, Elon, while you're down there for the launches and stuff. Go to this joint, best tacos in town. Ricky, what's the name of it? The Kind Diego's. There it is. D-A-K-I-N-E, Diego's. It is amazing. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, and it's cost-effective, too, at the same time. It really, really is. It's probably one of the better spots I've been to in that that area. Hey, uh, Mr. Baez, how are you doing today? You doing good? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just, uh, I'm excited, J.C., Ask me why I'm excited. Why are you excited? Dude, NFL is back. Dude, let me tell you, how shocking is it to think that in these uncertain times, as college football entire divisions are, are shut down, we're still going to be able to have that opportunity to support our local teams and watch professional football at home with no one in the stands. <laughs> well, unless you're in the state of Florida or what do you mean? I don't know. Well, to the the Jaguars played today, and I think that is the only team in the NFL today that's going to have people in the stands. Florida, man. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's limited limited attendance, just like the Thursday night game with uh, Kansas City. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But I, nonetheless, I am very excited. I've been waiting for this time of year to finally get here because I just miss some football. Out of all the NFL teams in the entire country, Florida will allow people in the stands. <laughs> I'm not shocked. For some reason, I'm not shocked by this, Rick. <laughs> I'm not shocked neither. As a matter of fact, on Monday, um, the uh, the governor told us last week, on Monday, bars are going to be able to open again with some restrictions, but the bars are going to be able to open again. Um, and we're slowly getting back to what resembles 20, 2019. So 
Yeah, it's uh, I'm personally excited so long as people are being responsible with the social distancing guidelines and wearing masks. But I don't know, man. Um, I saw that uh, Florida State game versus Georgia yesterday. Even with all the delays, there was hardly – if I was to put a percentage on how many people in the stands I saw with a mask on, I would say maybe 10%. Out of the, limit, out of the limited attendance, that's all I saw. But you know what? It is what it is. They, uh, they want to go ahead and go out and enjoy themselves, wear a mask, not wear a mask. Everybody has a choice. But uh, Florida State lost. Sorry, Dave. I know he's a big Florida fan, Florida State fan. Speaking about some of these restrictions, some of the uh, new news that's out there, Newsweek. A lot of people hate Newsweek, Rick. I'm I'm not sure if you're one of those guys that hates Newsweek or not. But I hate Newsweek. Why? They came Why out they with the story uh, over the past week here. Sweden's public health director explains why lack of lockdown has been a, a success for them. And the director of general, um, the director general of the public health agency of Sweden has said the lack of lockdown was a success for them so far because it meant messages to the public were clear and consistent and placed emphasis on personal responsibility. This approach, Mm. he says, meant people understood the guidelines and personal actions they needed to personally take in order to help stop the spread of the COVID. Now, Sweden's decision not to implement a nationwide lockdown to halt the spread of corona was seen as very controversial, very, very largely controversial, especially when initially announced towards the start of the pandemic. Now, since then, it's been widely debated whether this approach has been successful or not. They've ran the numbers, they've looked at the numbers, and the numbers are looking very good that uh, they're they're in a better spot with this whole, quote, herd immunity thing now that the U.S. is leading with the most COVID-19 cases and deaths in comparison. They don't mention necessarily the population differential, so that's not really necessarily something to get into. But I'll I'll tell you something. There's a a great point there to consider when we're talking about the personal responsibility of things, but also at the same time, when it comes down to, like, within your own family, let's say you have a loved one that's in a nursing home that does get sick, and there are many, Mm -hmm. many states away. It's hard. There's a lot associated with that. We definitely need to continue to emphasize empathy towards our peers, our coworkers, those around us, our friends and neighbors. It's not that this thing is is fake. I mean, it's it's real, right? But mm-hmm. it it does bring up the question if what they did in Sweden putting the responsibility back in the hands of the people is something that's more in tune with a a possible positive step forward. I don't know. What's your take on it, Rick? As as I'm sitting here in a lockdown state, as as you're just uh, getting to the point of being able to hit some normalcy again, what do you think about all that? So hats off to Sweden. Um, but it, it it's, I guess it depends on the people. So if you leave the responsibility uh, to be, it, it's on the people that live in that specific country, then it depends. It, it, it's going to be different with us than it is for them, because here in the United States, we have a lot of people who are really hardcore one way or hardcore another. And there isn't any type of of opportunity. Actually, I take it back. There's plenty of opportunity to really come to the middle and have a good conversation about what's right and what's wrong. Whereas over there in Sweden, I, I, I don't think that's how they're doing it over there. But I'm sure the people are more kinder and they have more respect for the, for each other over there 
than over here. I don't know if one, what I'm trying to say is actually being articulated properly, but I think over here there's way too many voices, strong opinions one way or another that creates that that friction that we're experiencing right now on whether we should or should not wear a mask. Well, so I think that's what's working over there. Let's talk about that personal responsibility. Let's talk about those differences of opinion and a little bit of heat associated with that. We yeah. saw a lot of that on social media this week. Primarily, Boy, there was a published article dated September 2nd of 2020. Uh, this is by the HR lady. She's been on the show numerous times. It's titled yeah. HR Florida Conference 2020, Huge Disappointment, Big Regret. Uh, she states here, and I quote, and this is published on LinkedIn. I am mad, disappointed, and downright disgusted. Why? HR Florida State Council, state affiliate for sure, forced the HR Florida Conference to go live in person as well as virtual. California's is in October and 100% virtual, WTF. Most attendees changed to virtual and many speakers said, hell no, we are backing out. So the remaining speakers, such as me, were asked to do more. Because we want to help, we said yes. Sure, that sounds good, but what that really means is more than triple the work for free. Live, pre-recorded, and virtual Q&A at a third time slot. I almost said hell no, but too... Hell no, too, but many volunteers who put the conference together got stuck with this selfish council decision. Did I mention that we report to Money Hungry National? Sure. So I decided to help these volunteers out, many whom I know personally and who have worked harder than ever to put this conference together. So I decided to, quote, suck it up, buttercup, and do what is good for the greater cause I did, and I regret it. The article goes on for quite a ways. Um, there, there's, there's a lot that talks about, uh, the limited expo vendors, uh, the venue, uh, masks after hours, handshakings, hugs, <laughs> ultimately at the end, this is demolition. she man. states this it's a uh, big regret, a huge disappointment. I'm done with Sherman HR Florida. So from that article, uh, there were people that chimed in on Twitter. Yep. And there's this uh, HR person who who kind of has a, a one of those profile, a burner profile, as as some people say, right? One of those. Is that what you think it is? One of those. A burner profile. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's a real person. I don't know. the The handle is sexy girl HR one, which which is probably how they're referenced in their C suite meetings, which is cool. <laughs> and. Uh, Goes on to say, what did I say? Uh, my HR reality gave HR Florida their tea, being petty and tagging the minions. Linking to this article. HR lady, tag away. I speak up when others won't. I do want to say that if, uh, that a few that you tagged had masks on the entire time, even in the evening. Response back, fair. I was tagging because they helped make the disaster happen on site. Jenny Stone. Jenny Stone chimes in on the Twitter thread here. Thanks for the tag, although understand I was a speaker at the event and was very responsible with masks, social distancing, etc. I actually agree with Wendy's assessment. I had no part in the approval or planning of the event. Wendy chimed back in. Most speakers were responsible because they were promised, because we were promised and we were going to be safe. Most, not all. Some, and yeah, I have the pictures, which I will not share, were very unsafe. Once the speaking part is over. So this goes on, Rick. 
And right around this time is when you begin to chime in. I mean, they 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 took a real hard shot here. This the sexy girl HR chimes in. You could have spoken up. So could have the HR Panda, Laura Pabon, Ricky Baez, Roger Lear, Agio Blue, Go Sherm, HR Tampa, Tom Topping. On and on and on. Ricky, you, you started to respond in the thread at this point. I want to turn it over to you because a lot of people were following this. A lot of people know that you were on site on behalf of the podcast. A lot of people saw your presentations. And a lot of people did not get a glimpse of your presentations, which also focused on a little bit about this and what we're talking about with COVID internationally right now. The differences of opinion and the way that we interact and talk with each other. So please, over to you for a brief moment, just to kind of continue to talk about this thread. And if you need me to read any quotes, I've got them ready here. So I was I was debating, because um, apparently that H, uh, sexy, H, sexy girl HR1 was tagging some people throughout the event. And I was staying quiet, because I'm like, eh, I'm not going to get involved in that. But then the more and more she tagged, the more and more she started what I saw as shaming people for attending the event, then it, it, it's the more and more I was inclined to respond, in which I did. But before I, I put out what I said, I, I wanted to share something about Wendy's article, right? Because um, it, it's that is her opinion and that is her assessment of the situation. But again, just how I said last week, um, it, it's, she had the option. And so did I, right? She is 100% correct, JC. We were asked to do more for free. And but we were asked, not told. We weren't told. Nobody made us do it. Nobody made us go. As a matter of fact, about a month and a half before they reached out to us and said, hey, are you going to be uh, with everything happening right now? Are you still comfortable going to the event to the event? If so, please let us know. If not, let us know as well. And right. we'll re- and we'll adjust accordingly. Okay. And I, I made a choice. And so did Wendy. So I, I just don't understand where the disdain comes from um, other than she just was horrified for what she saw there. Now, I got to tell you, I didn't witness those things she said. I'm not saying they didn't happen. I'm just saying I personally did not witness it to the witness degree what? that she's talking what, about. What, what degree? What, what specifically are we talking about? People being on stage without masks? Well, well, people walking around without masks and then the staff uh, trying to inform them of uh, of the policy and people not doing it and then talking about those folks. Right? Now, um, when we decided to. But, still but, but, but I'm sorry for interrupting. You're 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 saying that that's the claim of what happened, but you did not have a chance to see that yourself or you saw that happen. That is as, correct. OK, I did not see that happen. Thank you. At all. I, I, I just wanted see- to clarify that. I got you. I, I get it. I get it. it. It's I did see people walking around without a mask, which makes sense if you have nobody around you for 50 feet. The event was it, it, there were 400 people on site. That place holds that normally what, has like 6,000 people, though, right? I mean, like, that's what I'm saying, right? It's one of the so largest conference halls in all of Central Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it, it, it's it is one of the largest ones, the Gaylord Palms, second only to to the convention center. But look. It's if people are walking around without a mask and there's nobody around them, that is the equivalent of being in your car by yourself without a mask. So why would you want them to wear a mask so you can feel safe from 50 feet away? That makes no sense. I've seen a lot of people do that. And then once they get closer, they put their mask on. That to me is common sense. And 
they they did tell us because I was concerned because, you know, it, it's I had to go on stage and I like to walk around. And the parameters they gave me leadership was if you're going to be on stage and stay on stage, you can take your mask off because people are safe, you know, at a safe distance. But if you're going to walk around in the audience, put your mask on. How far, so how, how, how far away was that first row of chairs from the stage? I want to say 15, 20 feet. And the then stage. you're you're probably also back a good 10, 15 feet from the edge of the stage as well, presenting, right? Well, I was walking around all over on the stage because I, I, I just can't stand still. Right? But so, yeah, no, I was, so no matter what, though, the closest person was no closer than 15 feet away from you if you were at the no. edge of the stage and they were out there. Absolutely. And if correct. you had a mask off and they had a mask on. Well, everybody in the crowd had a mask on. So, yes, I had my mask off, but I was on stage, right? So, yeah, you're right. No more than 15 feet. And CDC recommends six feet, right? So, it's, it's, I, I just don't see what the issue is. But, again, she may have seen something I haven't seen. But, JC, that's one issue. It's something to speak up against an organization that even when everything with everything that's going on today and they still decided – to go on with the event. That's fine. I don't know how I can get mad at an event that I participated in and nobody forced me to participate in. So how can I get upset at that? Now, that's one thing. So I, I respect her opinion there. Where I had to chime in is because she, Wendy is saying that um, she is speaking up for people who can't speak up. I respect that. And she's talking about some of the folks who are uh, volunteers who they just had no choice. Well, you know what? I can't even say that, JC, because they did have a choice. They can easily say, I'm not going to do this. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. The part I have an issue with is other people coming in and shaming people who have nothing to do with the article Wendy was talking about and shaming just for deciding to go and not only deciding to go but also practicing safe social distancing protocols. Shaming. Talk to me about shaming. What do you mean by shaming? The whole Twitter thread? The whole, well, it's, it's that, that HR handle sexy girl HR one started tagging myself, started tagging some other colleagues of, of, uh, uh, of ours pretty much. And I'm paraphrasing. How can we possibly be there at this event knowing that people are dying in the state of Florida? Okay. Here's the, here's the, here's the quote. So Ricky replies in the thread, or maybe some of us are silent because we don't want to get into a back and forth on what you think other people should do. If you went, good for you. If you didn't go, I'm sorry, if you didn't, good for you as well. Everyone has a choice on what's best for them. What is your goal here to the uh, sexy girl HR who replies shaming, period. There's people dying and HR Florida doesn't care. Period. Money over morals. And then I respond, well, you know what? That's unfortunate. Had you attended the event, you would have seen my presentation where we talked about healthy conflict and focusing on the issue and not on people. It may help you get your point across better than shaming, especially being in human resources. So expand upon that for me. Why, especially in human resources? Well, because in human resources, you're supposed to be a critical thinker and you're supposed to take a step back and look at the overall issue um, from a bird's eye view. Yes, you are supposed to dive deep and then attack, not attack, and then dissect every little detail. But at the end of the day, you got to take a step back and figure out what's the goal, 
what's the purpose? And at the end of the day, if she wanted to shame HR Florida, then that's fine. Go ahead and do that for, for, for their decision to go on with the event. But the people who attended, who were, fi- who were following the, the protocols, leave them out of it. Why are you shaming them? That, that is a form of bullying. And look, I got thick skin. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is this attack on other people. And again, I threw that piece in there about especially being in human resources. Are we not supposed to be the people who bring the common sense to any business venture? Are we not the ones who are supposed to bring the human aspect of things? And she's not doing that. It's just straight up attack on regular people for just showing up. Tell me how that is any different than some a rioter in Portland or a rioter in in other places who I don't know they interrupt they go into a restaurant and they interrupt the meal of somebody there having a meal um, just because they're not marching with them they're minding their own business leave them alone if you believe in that cause then you by all means go ahead and go with it but if people are not um, I guess quote unquote protesting at the level you feel should be done leave them alone shut up and go along your way normally normally we wouldn't spend this much time on trolling that takes place on the internet and just like some other people have chimed in and said though too there's opinions that people have that you're not going to change it is what it is let's all just move on but on the heels of this event and, and being someone who was a presenter being someone who was there on behalf of this program, representing us on the floor live and doing what you do. I hope you don't mind, brother, that I I brought this up and we're 21 minutes in right now, but I find it imperative to take our platform and take this opportunity to kind of talk about this a little bit because at the end of the day, what should prevail? Is it common sense that should prevail? Or is it sensationalization and headlines that should prevail? Is it the core content of something that should have an everlasting effect? Or is it the flashbang that we need to make sure that we remember? If we look at the big picture of the argument or the back and forth or the debate or however you want to paraphrase uh, the, the context of what took place on the Twitters, right? And we think about that in the bigger picture of conflict. You talked about this. You talked about this in your presentation, even at HR Florida. Did you not? I did. I did. It's. It's. I talked about the importance of healthy conflict and how to address an issue directly in a positive, constructive way that helps the understanding of the points of view and moving forward. And that is when you talk about an issue and not the people surrounding the issue. Okay. Got and it. that was the key point that I had there. So, so breaking down and, and, and the big differential being the issue rather than the people. Correct. So Correct. when it comes to the concept of shaming, is it shaming an organization based on the actions that were taken of the org or the people that were in place heading that up or should shaming be off the table altogether i i i'm not a fan personally i i don't understand what what is gained from shaming it seems to break down all constructive positive discussion that could potentially (laughs) take place right yeah it's 
It does, right? So it it this whole thing started because Wendy shared her her perspective on what happened at the event, which is and okay. Shame, what? Which is okay. It's okay to share your absolutely. Opinion. It is absolutely okay. Um, she didn't shame per se. She did say some people were not following protocols. That's fine. Um, but it wasn't until this other person got involved and she just started tagging people. Just anybody who she saw was there almost as if it's their fault this event is happening. And and that's when I had to jump in. But when I hear something funny, JC, here's here's the funny part about this person, whoever she is. I don't know if it's a burner or it's or but at after I or said, someone from a, North Dakota or no, it's or okay. Go it, ahead. You never know. Right. Or, or North Mexico. Nobody knows. Topeka, right? Nobody Kansas, knows. a log cabin. <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, it's it, it's so after I said it's unfortunate, you know, had you attended the event, then she said, no, I attended virtually. And oh. I'm like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Go on. <laughs> this horrific event that she says is happening when people are dying she decided to pay money for and attend virtually if she believes in what she is saying then why did she support the event and pay money to the event all right i have and a why? i have a proposition go ahead approximately 25 minutes into the program today what i would like to propose is to the individual that is behind that twitter handle that does have these uh, strong opinions let's make this constructive Let's have a good mm-hmm. discussion. I personally would like to invite you on the program. You do not have to tell us your name. You don't even have to turn your video camera on. We'll give you the call-in telephone line. Use caller ID blocking even if you desire. If you want to get one of those little voice things so you sound like Darth <laughs> Vader, that's fine too. Like, no problem there. I want to give you that opportunity to have a good one-on-one discussion with Ricky here. Yep. And, and, and just kind of like... Have those differences of opinion on the table at the same time to discuss and and see what we could accomplish rather than barbs and, and shots that are thrown on Twitter that are limited to X amount of characters and there's not much that we could do. But let's let's see what that. we could do on this show. What do you think, Rick? Absolutely. I will love for that person to come forward and exactly how you said it will right. take all the processes to make sure that her identity or his identity is not identified if that's not what you want to do. So me putting that offer out there to the individual, I'm also extending that to you since you're a co-host on the program. You kind of don't have a choice, but you've already <laughs> agreed to do so. So the floor is open. Uh, whomever you are, feel free to reach out to the program or Ricky directly. Feel free to reach <laughs> Ricky directly, actually. And, uh, and I, I promise I will not shame. I will not shame. My goal here I'm gonna is hold to, you to that. I'm going to hold you to it. Go right ahead. See? Go right ahead. My- Acca- accountability between us at the end of the day, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We help each other yes, and we look out for each other. That's right. So that's, to that, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's open the floor. Let's have that discussion and, and get that get that done. Why not? Yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. COVID. COVID-related news continues from there, though. Okay? So... We talked about national to international perspective. We talked about the HR Florida conference and some things that were experienced there and the social media uproar over the past week and the the shaming and the insanity of it all. But at the same time, Ricky, the EEOC did come out with some stuff. Did you know that? Weekly. 
From the NationalLawReview.com, more EEOC COVID-19 guidance, testing, screening, managers, confidentiality, and telework. This was by Joseph Lazarotti, Jason Gavjan, and Jackson Lewis, PC, dated September 9th. This excerpt, it states right here, in its latest FAQ update posted yesterday, the EEOC covers some more practical questions that employers have on several COVID-19 issues, such as testing, telecommuting, and sharing employee medical information regarding the COVID-19 testing and capabilities and resources, they're expanding greatly. And many employers across the country have been working on establishing protocols, protocols for that testing. And there's still some concerns as to whether or not they're permitted to test, particularly considering, considering the general ADA requirement that any mandatory medical test of an employee be, quote, job-related and consistent with business necessity. Now, the EEOC has already confirmed that employers may opt to administer COVID-19 testing to employees before initially permitting them to enter the workplace. They updated the FAQs, and they further clarified that periodic testing to determine if the employee's presence in the workplace is permissible to determine if the employee poses a direct threat to others uh, may be okay. In that updated FAQ, they also sought to address updates to CDC guidance, specifically The EEOC made clear that employers administering COVID-19 viral testing consistent with current CDC guidance will meet the ADA's business necessity standard and that following recommendations by the CDC or other public health authorities regarding whether, when, and for whom testing or other screening is appropriate. They also acknowledged that the CDC and FDA may revise their recommendations based on emergent information and reminded employers to stay up to date on current tasks. There's been so many things in these DOL updates and EEOC guidance publications. It is very important to stay in touch and on top of the updated FAQs and revisions to potential policies that are out there and in place. And we'll take an opportunity just to fade that down right there. I think that does justice uh, to the clip. I recorded that for you yesterday. I hope you liked it. Thank you. I did stutter a couple times, but you know is all right i get it i mean you were drunk it's rainy up there i get it compounded upon that mr baez flexible arrangements and the adea and it's june 2020 update as you know the eeoc did underscore that the age discrimination in employment act adea does not prohibit covered employees from offering greater flexibility to employees 65 years of age or older who are at a higher risk of severe illness if they contract COVID-19. The ADEA prohibits less favorable treatment of older workers, and the guidelines have been updated to make this explicit. So, a lot going on, big updates in the EEOC ADA world. You're a big ADA fan. Talk to me. I'm I'm surprised the ADEA is relevant with this situation because I think the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, should hold its own water when it comes to this, regardless of age, whether you're over 40 or under 40. Um, I get it, though. I get it because uh, they are correct. Older, older associates um, are more prone to to this illness. And they are going to require more assistance, more accommodation. But that's when the Americans with Disabilities Act comes into play. And with the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, what that requires employers to do is to have a dynamic dialogue, not to provide a an accommodation, but to have a dynamic dialogue. And then in concert, 
then come up with a an accommodation that's reasonable and it doesn't put the organization in a hardship. Now, that means something different today than what it did a year ago. Because today, JC, it, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of organizations that are really screwing up when it comes to this. And this is the kind of things that keeps David Miklas rich and, and Paige, Paige, the, the, uh, the uh, lawyer lady yes. rich, yes. right? <laughs> Starks, right? Paige Starks, right? Yeah, because employers keep messing up, right? And the way they keep messing up is they're not having the dynamic dialogue with the associate. They're just assuming because they have a symptom automatically stay home, no pay, no nothing without any conversation of a flexible work arrangement that the law requires them to have a conversation on. So let me ask you, JC. Yes. In your in your opinion, as an employer or as an employee, for that matter, if you have a child at home that tested or uh, tested positive for COVID-19, can your employer prevent you from coming into work? Thinking about that now, I think with some of the guidelines, they were specifying that an employer can not delve into your family history or can they? Where's that line now? And employ so it, it's that's where I brought that up, right? Because of Gina, the Genetic Information Disabilities Act, something like that. Um, uh, so with according to Gina, ah, yes, the Genetic Gina, Information Non Discrimination Act. That's what it is. That's yes. what it is. Gina, though, yes, you're right. Gina. So when it comes to Gina, the organization cannot ask about their specific family member's condition. They cannot do that. Gina prevents that. How I hate to say it like this, how an employer can get around that is don't ask if their their um, family member has been exposed to COVID. Just ask, have you been around anybody that has been exposed to COVID? And that's how you can ask that question as an employer and not get in trouble so long as the reason you're asking is to protect everybody else in the organization. Here if, you go. You don't have telecommunication, uh, um, uh, work from work from home capabilities. What do you got there? Important quote here from that nationallawreview.com. Employers may not, however, ask an employee entering the workplace if he or she has family members who have COVID-19 or symptoms associated with COVID-19. The EEOC's guidelines state that GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, prohibits such inquiries. The EEOC's inquiry prohibition seems to extend only to family members, as the guidelines acknowledge that Gina, quote, does not prohibit an employer from asking employees whether they have had contact with anyone diagnosed with COVID-19 or who have or who may have symptoms associated with the disease. See how easy that is? Just don't ask about your family members. Make it more broad. And it's better for the organization anyway, because if you ask only about the family members, you don't get into the conversation about anywhere else that they may have gone that may have they, they may have contradict, uh, contradicted. They may have contracted that illness. Hey, Ricky. So do, do yeah. you have any children in your home? I do. How many? One and a half human and non-human. Do they have covid? Are they sick? <laughs> Eh, you're in trouble don't do now, that. Yeah, don't do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let me try to rephrase it then. Uh-huh. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, man. 
Hey, good to see you back in the office. Um, you don't live alone, do you? I do not live alone, no. Gotcha. Hey, we need to make sure that we update your emergency contact data just in case something happens here in the workplace. While we're on that topic, um, everyone at home is feeling good, though, right? No, no sickness or illness there? No, no, everybody's great. Good. Yeah, just want to check in in regards to that whole, you know, teleworking three days a week, you being here a couple days. Want to make sure that you're in a good, safe space there. That's all. If you need anything, let us know, though. You know, we (laughs) will help you with any reasonable accommodation we can make. Let me make it easier, JC. Let me make it easier. Do it. You're on the edge of Violet and Gina. (laughs) Bro, I am like, I was, was, my toes were just tipping a little right there. Right there. All right. Here we go. Hey, JC, how you doing, brother? Yeah. I don't feel too good. I'm doing all right, though. Oh, no. What's going on? Is it because the bills suck? That's why you don't feel too good? No, it's because I have to listen to your damn voice every morning. How you doing? Oh, man. God, I'm so glad I'm here to provide that kind of misery for you. Look, um, it's it's. I just got a question for you. Pretty straightforward. Have just you been one? around any, just one? All right. Have you been around anybody that is exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19? I'm not sure. I'm not, not a sure. doctor. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone seems fine, though. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't, don't look sick. To see if somebody, well, you don't have to be a doctor for somebody to tell you if they are or are not exhibiting symptoms. Right? Well, you you don't seem sick to me, so I'm good. I mean, mentally, mentally, I am. It's okay. Wow, wow. But I mean, physically, no. <laughs> but no, but yeah, but, but Jason, most people I'm around seem fine. Everyone seems fine. Oh, awesome, awesome. All right. So, so what about you? Because you are looking to come into work, right? And we're happy to have you back. I know you was just on vacation. Well, yeah. You went on a cruise. I don't know how. We're, since no cruise ships are working these days. We're having this discussion in person in your office. So, yeah. yeah I'm well, here. Well, awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you think we are, but this is a really good AI hologram here. I'm actually at home. That's no, what look. this whole thing is. I thought it was just a plastic screen. It's a TV. Oh. This is crazy. Oh, it, I really do look like that. So. Do you have any any symptoms like fever, diarrhea, cough, anything like that? Anything that may prevent you from actually doing any kind of work in the office? Wow. Um, I, I don't – you've never asked me that, but I don't feel comfortable. Can you ask me those questions? Um, I can now because I don't know if you've noticed, we do have a pandemic going on and we have a responsibility to make sure that you and everybody else in the office are safe. So the only reason why I'm asking those questions is just to make sure as a precaution that in case you do, you are exhibiting those symptoms, there are other alternatives for you to be able to work other than coming into the office. No, I, 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 I got you. I got you. In respecting what you're asking, you know, every, everyone's good. I'm I, I'm just a little uncomfortable about the potential, you know, medical info discussion type talk. But, you know, okay. for, for the most part, uh, all good. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I can respect that, right? But we do have a pandemic, and I have a responsibility to make sure everybody in the office is safe. I can guarantee the only reason I'm Ooh. asking these questions is oh. for your safety and everybody else's safety. It's, it's a good thing you brought that up because – Today, when I did come in before walking in here for this conference with you out on the floor, Janet, she's not looking too hot and she's got that real nasty cough. I don't know who to tell about that, though. Well, you you kind of do because you just told me about it and we'll look into it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, JC. I will let her know you're the one who brought that over to our attention. Thank you. 
Um, so I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, JC, it, it's it's important that you uh, that 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 you let us know if you're exhibiting these symptoms. So, are you saying you are exhibiting, or you're not exhibiting? I am not. I am not. No. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Excellent. So um, just to let you know, um, anytime you would come into the office, uh, it's every now and then we are going to be asking that. We are trying to do it as much as possible. Um, starting tomorrow, we are going to do temperature checks. Yes, sir. Yeah. I do want to let you know, though, mm-hmm. when I was out on leave three weeks ago, um, I really wasn't feeling good. And I got a test done and, you know, it it was positive. But that I was oh. on leave for those weeks, um, okay. but everything's better now, and that's part of the reason why, like, I'm back. You know how long how long ago was that? Uh, it was while I was on that fake cruise you were talking about <laughs> three weeks ago. Well, so, yeah, you were, so you got it. So you're COVID nineteen positive, and you went on a cruise. That's very responsible. Well, you told me I went on a cruise, so I'm continuing to go with that in our storyline here. Gotcha. <laughs> but okay. from what I understood, though. Um, according to what the EEOC says, like uh-huh. an employee would ever say this, right? <laughs> <laughs> you as the employer could withhold from the staff COVID-19 information about an employee who is teleworking because of self-quarantine or who was on leave at the time of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I do not exhibit any symptoms at this time. And I'm good with temperature checks tomorrow. But you don't you don't have to tell anyone, but I'm I'm letting you know that I, I do not that was. But, but but here's the thing. I'm gonna step out away from this uh back and forth real quick to kind of make a point. Please um, do. If you're because this if you is are getting away weird. from the office, it is. If you are away from the from your place of employment, whether on leave, vacation, or telecommuting, and you do test positive, we should not, as an employer, communicate that to 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 anybody else. However, if you did come into the office and you were COVID-19 positive, we do have a responsibility to let people know that they were in contact with somebody who tested positive. We're not mentioning a name, but we have the responsibility to let them know so they can take those precautions to make sure that they're safe. We have that. Re- excuse me. We do have that responsibility. Now, can the people we tell put two and two together on who it was? They can, but the, but the actual name is not going to come from us. At some point, the employer has that responsibility to let everybody else know that they were exposed. So we would tell them, but that's only if there was a contact. If you telecommuting, if you were on vacation, if you was in a personal leave or sabbatical, we have no responsibility to inform people of that. And we should not. Ultimately, at the end of the day, employers and employees is they continue to encourage each other uh, to use interim solutions to remain and enable employees to keep working as much as possible, that's fine, right? Um, well, yeah, because it, it, it's, look, the goal is to keep everybody safe, but keep everybody working as much as possible, right? So if somebody is exhibiting, so let's say somebody's asymptomatic, let's say somebody is 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 positive, but they don't show those symptoms and, and, and they tell you about it, right? Um, normally, if somebody tests positive, they come into the office and that is their job. They do come into the office, then they have to quarantine. Just because they don't have those symptoms, they still can transfer the illness to somebody else and contaminate somebody else. So ADA kind of comes in, right? So now you have to offer a flexible work arrangement. And once you have that dynamic dialogue which is important to have people, please have that dialogue with the associate. 
then a reasonable accommodation could be work from home, which I want to venture to say 80% of the jobs out there right now can be performed at home. Exception being police officer, truck driver, pilot, other things that you can do from home, um, you actually can. And that is an accommodation. So there's no reason why an organization should say no to that type of an accommodation when 80%, and again, I'm using that number very loosely, when most of the country today is working virtually. And a lot of organizations are being progressive and saying, you know what, we're going to take this uh, this pandemic as the kick in the butt that we needed to actually start offering work from home options that we should have done 10 years ago. <laughs> so I'm glad a pandemic had to step in and do that for people. Your opinion here, and we've kind of talked about this before. There's a lot of articles that are being published right now in regards to return to work guidance and things to consider as kids are going back to school and employers are having people report back to the office and and there's whole new industries being built and established based on plexiglass and and tissues, right? We're, uh, when you don't own your building, okay, Uh and you're leasing, and you're in that long-term lease. Maybe you've got 10 more years ahead of you, right? Where's that fine line between what is now your cost that you have to factor for and what is the cost you need to press forward in your negotiations with your landlord? That is an awesome, awesome question that I don't have the answer to right now, but I can venture to guess uh, in the absence of a law that says that the pla- the uh, the landowner is responsible or the rentee is responsible, in the absence of that, I would think there should be something in the contract that they have on who's responsible for these kinds of accommodation costs. One example is if you're leasing the building and you have uh, 500 parking spots. But out of those 500 parking spots, only five of them are handicapped spots. I don't know what the law is. Uh, I'm sure that's a law that says by you have to have X amount of handicapped spots per regular spots. But as your associates, your the, the disabled associate count rise and they get parking decals, uh, uh, disabled parking decals, then I would assume there has to be some kind of verbiage in the contract that talks about who's responsible for that kind of a cost. But that is an amazing question that I'm sure a lot of organizations are running into right now, especially when they lease buildings and everything happening right now. And you are in a position where you fought to have a seat at the table. You are now in those big meetings. You're playing the game of numbers. You're doing what you need to do from a leadership perspective, doing it the right way and, and representing human resources from a different angle and perspective. And now you have your hands on all these laws, rules, guidelines, the DOL stuff, the EEOC stuff, and you're trying to do the right thing so people don't pick up the phone and call that employment labor attorney, right? So you're yeah. you're trying to knock it out of the park, and now you've got a laundry list of requests that need to go into place before some employees start showing back up on site. How stringently do you enforce it from your HR seat? How much do you have to lobby to make sure that there's enhanced filtration systems, that there's eight-foot glass partitions, that there's more space allocation, that we need to double our IT budget so people have equipment at home and in the office so they don't have to bring equipment back and forth so that there's less likelihood of transmission of disease, etc. Where do you draw that fine line in these discussions? And then aside from that, 
How do you champion your point of view? This is a lot of money at, in, at play here. It is. it is. So this is when you as the, as the HR business partner really need to be very articulate in the numbers game, how this affects the business from a numbers perspective, right? So obviously, if you tell the business that a business, if you tell a business that normally does not work from home, that now they have to spend $80,000, in upgrades to equipment and service to be able to support a workforce to work from home. Obviously, the CFO or the uh, yeah or or C uh, yeah the uh, chief financial officer, their eyes are going to go wide open and they're going to say, eh, "Absolutely not." But if you communicate how much a legal situation is going to cost for not doing that, which is going to be a lot more than eighty thousand dollars, at the end of the day, is numbers and cents. And if you're able to say that if we spend $80,000 on good IT infrastructure, it's going to help us stay away from legal waters that maybe cost us $300,000 to defend, it's pretty simple of what kind of decision they have to make. So, so HR folks so out now there, at the same time, your point in numbers. At the same time, though, brother, you're, you're playing, you're not playing, but you're, you're stuck with a position where the building you once had might only be ever a quarter to a half full. Yeah, which and now you're stuck in a lease for like (laughs) 10 years at the same time or more. Right. Do you begin subleasing? Do do you contact your local taco cantina? (laughs) You know what I mean? Azteca, come set up shop in the other half. And I'm a bill. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, how can you devise or be part of the team that devises an effective plan when you're stuck in these leases? And, and who's got your back from a business perspective as far as trying to break the lease, get out of the lease, so all that legal mumbo jumbo that you might have to get into to to remain solvent as an organization at the same time? Well, I'm pretty sure that contracts um, between um, uh, businesses and landlords going forward is going to have some kind of a verbiage on there for a pandemic with uh, everything happening right now. But you just got to take a take a look at the agreement. And are you new into the agreement? Are you a year into a 10 year lease? There has to be something on there about uh, some verbiage on there about how much it would cost to break that lease. And you just run those numbers. How if it's going to cost us 10 grand to stay open to have, I don't know, 10% of the staff there, is it feasible? Is it fine? Is it fiscally responsible to keep going in that lease? Because even if you're able to break the lease at a 30% of the entire cost, that's still better than paying for the entire thing for 10 years for 10% of your staff. So it is a numbers game. So you just have to be able to support your CFO, support your CEO on what decision they need to make. But you have to help them make that decision because at the end of the day, they're focusing on the bottom line. And you, as an HR professional, you're focusing on the most important asset in in the organization, the talent, the human talent. What's well, better? Allegedly. Well, I mean. Allegedly, <laughs> right? You're supposed to be. It depends who be. you ask. Yeah. <laughs> right? It depends who you ask because if you ask some people out there, they'll say that HR is not your friend. And I can understand why that label is out there. I've been hearing but, that a lot lately. I have, have Rick. Know. Yeah. Uh, I right. have. Where, where'd you hear that from? What was that? I think it was two or three weeks ago. We played a clip of this on the actual show. Uh, my friend, um, you know what? Do you have it there? It's a 60 second clip. It's a 44 Dude. second clip. I can play it for you right now if you like. Look it up. 
Yes, sir. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. HR is not your friend. At the end of the day, HR's job is to minimize liability for the company, and those people in HR work for who signs their checks, not you. I don't care what they say, if they say they're looking into it, if they act like your best friend, that you've known them forever. Don't believe it. If you're being harassed or threatened, consult somebody else outside the company. Don't use their HR and trust them to take care of your business. And one more thing. Don't not report something or not do something because somebody in HR told you that it's going to make so-and-so lose their job or they'll have to do an investigation. Like, that's the point. If you're being harassed or discriminated against, use those words, make a complaint, and do it in writing in an email. Don't let HR push you around or trick you. That is employment labor attorney or, or trial attorney there, Paige Sparks. By the way, Rick, uh, we did extend an offer for her to come on the program today to kind of talk about that clip a little bit more in depth as as well as some of the other uh, great pieces of advisement she's putting out there on the Tiki Takis. She's got some good stuff out there. This one, though, this piece, I believe it had like 70,000 views and counting so far. Very yeah. well liked. A lot of positive work going on around the, uh, the internets about that one. She does bring up some interesting points, but over to you, because like I said, it's it's trending and it, it's being talked about a lot. What do you think? So I'm confused. At first, she says, don't go to HR. They're not your friend. Go outside. But then at the end, she said, if you have a complaint, go to HR. So what's 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 the message? I don't understand what the it's her message is contradictory. So now. I understand why she put that out there, because HR, there are some people out there who do exactly what she's saying. So I can understand why the label is out there. But, buddy, I got to tell you, man, not everybody's like that. Not every HR manager and not every HR director is like that. There has been a lot of strides in the HR field to move away from any kind of actions or, or inaction, per se, that may earn somebody that label, that HR is not your friend. Now, let me address something. I'm not looking to be anybody's friend. <laughs> I'm not looking to do that at all. Actually, with with what I do. Well, clearly, I mean, the way you treated people on Twitter. <laughs> I wasn't shaming anybody, though. There was no shaming happening from my end. Dude, I, I really want to see that you and Wendy Sellers go out to dinner and repair things. That's how bad that was. There's nothing broken between Wendy and I. I can't believe whole, the amount of hatred know. that's on the table right now. It's like the Sith Lord and a Jedi <laughs> battling. Nah, dude. Look, look, Wendy's Wendy is my sister. So I love her to death. I know she has her opinion and I have mine, but that's a beauty in a relationship with different points of view. How that long, we how are long able have, to respect each other's point of view. How long have the two of you been in a relationship? In a friend relationship? About three years or so. Nice. And I see where you're going there. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, well, your words, not mine. It's good. But look at you and I, though, right? You have a different point of view on a lot of things, and so do I. Yes, but we I still do. are able to have a cordial conversation, right? Dude, I'm not shaming you. You don't shame me. <laughs> For anyone that's talk. out there, if you don't realize it, and, and we really don't get into it, I'm going to be honest, Ricky and I are extreme polar opposites on many different things. Yeah. And we're good with it. I'm good with yep. it. You good with it? I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. It's fine. Actually, a mutual friend of ours, so I'm going to sidetrack here real quick. A mutual friend of ours on social media recently posted, um, can you be friends with somebody who votes for the opposite candidate that you support? And I replied, I'm like, absolutely. If you can't, then are you really, truly friends? If you really can't do that, then is the relationship that weak that you can't even have that person as a friend? 
where everybody else on that thread, they were saying that, um, oh, absolutely not. I can't believe people would do that. It, it's, it just doesn't mean then you're not really a friend. That's, that's interesting times that we're in, though, right? So say you and your neighbor two doors down. Y- y'all have been kosher. You, you've been cordial. Things are good, right? They know where you stand. You know where they stand. You, mm-hmm. you pass each other. You still wave high. You talk sports. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Then they put up a yard sign basically saying that people like you should die, and now they refuse to wave at you. How do you feel about that? Then uh, okay, so you you said cordial, so that's not a friend though, right? No, 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 that's a no, neighbor. just a neighbor, two doors down. Yeah, yeah. yeah how would you, how would that make you feel? So here's the thing: how would that make me feel? I feel sad for that person, to be honest. Uh, now, Ricky, twenty years ago, I would have been mad, and I want to tore that. You used sign to wave. Out, but, you used to wave. Yeah. Now you wave. I'll wave more now. Yeah, now I'll wave more yeah, now. You keep waving, but they keep looking away. <laughs> I will do. You know what? I will be the over-the-top best neighbor ever. I will take out their trash when the trash man comes up, puts it back. I'll put it back into uh, and on their property. Maybe I'll mow the lawn, and they, when they go on vacation, I will go over the top, killing with kindness because I know that will piss them off even more. <laughs> That's what that that's what I would do, JC. So if you have that up there, it's because it, I know this is hypothetical. But if you have that up there, I I suggest you kill them with kindness. That's the best approach, man. Um, it, it, yeah. So so that that's what I would do. But going back, going back to 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 the original topic, um, you are able to have those differences of opinion, and you can still have uh those cordial conversations again that was my presentation jc about having healthy conflict and another thing that that i that i talked about is the ability to talk about religion and politics in the office or even at home or even on a personal uh party that you have at home you should be able to do that to really engage in really good dialogue where progresses the topic forward people learn from that way but people get too much into their emotions and their feelings, and next thing you know, you can't talk about it. And, and anything you say, it's it's everybody's too freaking sensitive these days, man. That that's that's I guess that's my where I'm coming from. But from a work perspective, coming back to work, I don't even know how we started to go going down this path, JC. What was the original question? I uh, forgot. Everyone hates HR. That's right. Yeah. Page? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, um, I don't think everybody hates HR. Um, I'm not. Gonna, I, I I'm going to give you some credit. We have earned that title uh, in the in in the past, but I work tirelessly to make sure that we don't go down that route. And how do we, as HR, make sure that we do what's best, what's fair for the culture of the organization? Is any issue that comes to our table that comes to our attention? that may compromise what the culture of the organization is all about, whether it's the manager at fault or the employee at fault. If HR does does their due diligence to make sure that they handle that issue and they take the appropriate action to prevent that blemish on the culture of the organization, then HR is doing what's fair. And they are doing the best, uh, what's in the best interest of the organization because she is right. HR is there to protect the organization. But I think there's some more information needed in that little piece because it should also say HR does take the side of whoever um, is right in this situation, whether it's manager or an employee, 
um, so long as it upholds whatever pillars they have for the culture of the organization. So that's my two cents on that piece. I really wish she was here so 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 we could talk about that. Uh, so I really do I. I, I wanted to talk to her about uh, being a attorney, getting the word out on TikTok, too. Yeah. That's really cool, man. It kind of really is. Hopefully we could have her on in the uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Yeah. Rick, there was a uh, as we're talking about some of this conflict resolution stuff there. There was a article that was put out on um, a Sherm blog. I think it was about a week ago. I need your help trying to find this real quick. Um, it was a guy who attended a conference and he was sharing his perspectives on uh, conflict at work or something based off of his experiences at that conference. I can't find the article, though. Anymore. Looking for it right now. Hold on a second. I'll yeah. Because it, it seems to be a trend. I mean, which is good because when we're talking about conflict resolution and the the times that we're in right now, it's it's good to address these things and, and kind of level the playing field and, and get to a better better spot out there. Man, I yeah. had that clip, an article right before the show began, that. but it seems to have disappeared. Uh, I, I can't find it, Rick. Yeah, I'm looking for it, too. I know which one you're talking about, and this person was talking about civility, having civility in the office um, and how you're able to have these hardcore conversations that people um hold near on topics that people hold near and dear to their hearts and with the ability to talk about that i think he was talking about when he was in college and he did a presentation and something about either he was for reagan or anti-reagan and then reagan won and how people he thought people were going to bash him because of his stance on it and this was back in the early 80s how people were um um yeah that's the one this is the article that's the article right yes yeah okay yeah. So, um, it, so yeah. So he's talking about civility as well, JC. Right. It, it, so that is a topic that's emerging now, and I, I, I guess it's sad that we have to wait for a pandemic like this to happen for that to come up for people um, having to 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 stand up for non civil conversations and to have those civil conversations. So that was my presentation. So I did it, it, it's mine oh, really? was five ways. Well, part of well, it kind mine of, was right? five ways to make an HR team uh, build an HR team that doesn't suck and one of them was to have those healthy conflicts. being able to be have civil conversations. However, um I don't want HR people or business leaders who just go ahead and start having hard-hitting conversations without knowing what to do in case the conversation starts to head south or the temperature in the room starts to go up. So it's got to be somebody who can read the room really well, somebody who has a backbone and has the communication skills to be able to bring the conversation away from other people. Because once you start getting into a, a, a deep, hard-hitting conversation and emotion starts going up, it starts to get personal. And it's up to the leader of that meeting, the leader of, the, uh, uh, of that team who's moderating that meeting, to to gauge that temperature and bring everything back uh, to the issue so you can focus on on learning from whatever the different points of view are on the table and move the conversation forward. That's the difference between being brutally honest and necessarily honest, which is uh, two of the topics that I talked about as well. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that funny? (laughs) You caught me off guard with that, right? (laughs) Hey, it's what I do. I love pressing the buttons and the sound effects, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to our normal setup. I know after last week, you know, there was uh, a lot of question debate, but 
let me tell you something. We've all been on the road from time to time, and we do the best we can. And for me personally, it's good to be back in the studio and not on the road traveling. Ricky, I want to thank you for accommodating my traveling schedule and and uh, helping still get me uh, fed into the program for the past few shows as well. Thank you so much. Well, you well you did ask for an ADA accommodation. And I'm like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it, it is my duty to do so. You can tell you can tell a commute. There you go. You see? Hey, guess what? Leadership by example. What, what's up? Guess what? What? Yes. Love this part. It is time for current events. This week, brought to you in part by all the guests that never show. <laughs> A little bit of an inside <laughs> joke there. If you know, you know. So to that, uh, this first story is coming from SI.com. Stop by SI.com slash NFL slash Jets slash News slash Carissa Thompson Fox NFL kickoff dream job. Okay. Very, very strong piece here. So look, Carissa Thompson uh, or Charissa. I hope I didn't say your name wrong. Clarissa. She had the dream of working in sports since she was a little girl. The Fox Sports host and analyst thought thought through career, um, thought this career. Holy smokes, JC. Might be, she might be an agent working for a team. It was a dream that she had, and she didn't give up on when her first job in sports was uh, filing employee personnel files at Fox Sports. She was in HR. Having grown up in a home that loved competition, Thompson praised her roots in Seattle for helping to form her into a fanatic of all things sports. While applying at Fox Sports, the only position available at the time was that of an HR assistant. Thompson put him for the job, knowing full well that she didn't have a passion for HR. Who does? <laughs> okay. I do. Well, she didn't know that the job would someday lead her to being the host of the Fox NFL kickoff. Thompson says she merely wanted to get her foot in the door to pursue her dream of working in television and sports. She calls it a a uh, very special route that led her to where she is today. I ended up getting that job. I lied to get the job. I oh. felt so bad lying in the interview saying that I wanted to work in HR, Thompson said. I immediately called and told him that I lied about wanting to be in human resources and that this is and this is what I want to do. He ended up giving me the job anyways because I was honest and a big part of the job was honesty in HR. After 18 months in the role. Hold on. Yes. Hold on. I'm sorry. They gave her the job because she was honest. After she initially lied. That's right. Got it. Sorry. After eight ten, it's the Jets, I think, or something (laughs) like that. So like, oh no, no, Denver, Denver, I think is what. Anyways, after eighteen months of the role, she made a move that set the course of her career in motion within Fox Sports. She transferred departments, working in production in L.A., logging tape, and then moved to Denver and became a PA production assistant, also volunteering to go on air for free. To start a demo reel. And after a year in Denver, she got real world experience. Uh, she often thinks back to her time in human resources as absolutely terrible. I just made that last part up because the rest of this article goes on for quite a ways. And okay. I'm not going to paraphrase it all. Look, long story short. She lied. <laughs> she lied. Yeah, she lied. But she she got her foot in the door in HR. So before before you think twice... About those people that you're hiring into human resources. Think three times. 
because their lies might be truths that save you at the end of the day. What the hell was that? <laughs> their lies might be truths that will save you at the end of the day. That might save you at the end of the day, yes. <laughs> they might. Uh, you know what? I'm you know, sorry. I don't know what else to say, you know, but uh, you got to give her credit for standing up and, and being honest at the end of the day. And, and that no, hiring manager wasn't. made a choice to uh, to still bring her on board, even though she lied. She was being honest about lying. <laughs> it's too late, right? <laughs> My thing is, why'd you lie to begin with? So what do you do in that situation? What, uh, you personally, okay, you interviewed someone, they lied to you, and the lie was, I love HR. Yeah, absolutely. I listen to every podcast you do. And then they come back, they call you back, and they're like, I don't even know who you are. I would so this is in the interview where I'm supposed to make an assessment based on a 30 minute or an hour conversation yes. on your entire life to see what kind of character you have and yes. what kind of character I'm going to bring on board. Yes. Already already starting on the wrong foot. I have a big <laughs> issue with liars. A huge issues with liars, right? I tell my team on on day one, orientation, once I tell them all about who we are and the culture that they're about to embark on. I always tell them, don't ever lie to me. That is the quickest way how to become a customer is to lie, right? Just tell me the truth and we'll, and we'll learn from whatever mistakes you have done to make sure that we progress forward. It's, they, there's that, that term again. So if somebody came to me and first said A, and then later on they come back and say, you know what? I lied. It's actually B. I had a change of heart. Then I have to question how many times are you going to do that if I bring you on board? So chances are I'm not going to bring that person on board. Now, somebody could give me a really good Academy Award winning performance and just convince me otherwise after the fact. I'm always willing to listen to why they lied. But outside of a really strong argument, I'm not going to hire you. That's just me because I, I, I need honesty and I need total transparency on my team and everybody I work with. Moving across the pond, peoplemanagement.co.uk. Half of UK employees admit to lying at work, according to polls. <laughs> COVID has made culture and authenticity even more vital, experts say. With staff worried about their jobs, particularly prone to hiding mistakes and trying to keep their bosses happy, nearly half of UK employees have lied at work, a poll has revealed, with many doing so to hide mistakes or avoid getting into trouble. A survey of over 1,000 workers by Glassdoor found 49% admitted to lying at work. Of these, 44% said they do so to avoid getting into trouble, while over a third, 34%, lied to hide their mistakes. The survey also found many employees lied so as not to stand out in the office. Two in five employees, 40%, who lied at work did so because it was easier to agree with the majority in almost a quarter. 24% said they lied because their boss or colleague did not like to hear diverse opinions. Boom. There it is. There it is right there. That right there is the fault of the leader for creating a culture where people are afraid to mess up. 22% of employees throughout the United Kingdom thought lying at work was acceptable. Well, nearly two in five, 39% felt lying was commonplace where they worked. Three quarters, 75% believe that saying what they really thought could get them in trouble. And 56% admitted to hiding their true feelings at work making fake Twitter profiles, and shaming others. 
Ooh. Wonder where that came from. Uh, now, wait a minute. That, that last That's... part I made up. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, The statistic Whoa. was okay. real, but that whole part about making fake profiles on Twitter and shaming, I, I added that so, in for effect. Do they talk about what kind of lies? Because so, I'm not going to lie. A, a little white lie? Yeah, I, I guess that's okay. If your boss wa- if your boss walks in and says, "Hey, I don't like my dress. Isn't it pretty?" I mean, I don't know. Are you gonna are you gonna be honest about that? Like, <laughs> no, Susan, it's freaking hideous. <laughs> well, they, overall, they're saying uh, that there's a lot of organizational politics or managers or leaders who clearly don't care about being ethical. That has a big influence on individual employees and how they behave. Hmm. It, it, since the this coronavirus is, outbreak, it's shaken the world to its core. He warned staff could now be even more inclined to lie in some circumstances because of fear at work. Fear of losing their job. Quote, these figures are therefore likely to become concerning for employers. After all, if the first instinct that an employee has is to lie about an issue or mistake the problem just doesn't vanish Mm. it is therefore crucial for employers to consider why do our employees lie why this may be why do staff feel they will be unfairly penalized or even ignored if they're truthful with management and if so is there an overall issue that needs to be addressed moments after this article was published the gentleman that provided the words here was fired i added that part for effect too i'm lying oh dude you're killing me over here man i'm like what the hell (laughs) see what happens when you lie at work i lied at the back half of the sentence and it changed things it it really does because i'm listening and i'm like no they did not just do that but i really want to find out if he like still has a job there though after like divulging you know that's the leader's fault, man. It's always the leader's fault because if they create that kind of an environment, dude, I mean, come on. Give your employees the opportunity to make mistakes and have them learn from those mistakes. Now, if those people that are constantly lying are always messing up and never learning their lesson and we've progressed in progressive discipline and now they're about to be fired, yeah, I can understand why they will lie, but it's still not a good thing to do it. Now, that's their fault. That's not the leader's fault. That is because they're not learning their lesson. But overall, if everybody's genuinely, on average, afraid, then why? I don't know how people – you know what? I'll take it back. I, I do know how leaders can work in that environment because they have that, that ruling with an iron fist type of mentality, and that doesn't work. That, that, that does not work in corporate America. That does work in the military. It works in other paramilitary outfits, but if you go into an office Monday to Friday, eight to five, when no lives are in danger, come on, get over yourself. Get over yourself. And I've seen those kinds of leaders. And JC, I know you've seen those kinds of leaders as well, as well, that they think that people should worship the ground they walk on or be like in that movie, coming to America when somebody is putting flowers on where you're about to walk just to just to appease that leadership and authoritarian mentality you have. So all you leaders out there, all you a-hole leaders out there who create that kind of an environment, either start working on creating an environment where associates are able, are, are free to explore different ideas and are able to take calculated risk. But if you're not able to do that, get out and do something else and let somebody else step into those shoes that are influential and then lead by influence and not lead by fear. 
I love that note. I love I that love note. <laughs> hey, uh, according to CNN Business, Rick, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings admits that he's been lying when he said his family is most important. In the no. article... <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's the headline, right? Hastings revealed this lesson in his new book, No Rules, Rules, that was released this past week. Uh, marriage counseling has paid a, played a big role in Reed Hastings' success. The Netflix co-founder and co-CEO told Poppy Harlow of CNN Business. In an interview on Thursday with Harlow, Hastings said the marriage counselor he went to with his wife of 29 years helped him see that he was a systematic liar. He would say things like family is most important, not because he meant it, but because it was conventional to say that. The CEO said that even though he was projecting those values, he would stay at work at night, night after night, if employees had issues. He ended up ignoring his family, but that changed eventually. Quote, in my marriage, I became much more honest and candid, and that helped us tremendously. That marriage counselor turned out to be the best CEO coach I ever had. Mm. Hastings has sought to improve his work relationships, too, speaking about his push for radical candor within Netflix. Hastings said a vice president at Netflix recently told him he's unempathetic. He does not encourage criticism. He said that even with his success, getting negative feedback is still painful. But it helps him explore changes that need to be made instead of fighting it, which he admits is his natural inclination. Although he's looking forward to returning to the office one day, he noted that he has been working from home for 20 years on nights and weekends. Yes, he's still eager to get back to the office soon, but only as soon as there's a vaccine. He does not state in the article whether or not he'll be one of the first people to get that vaccine, though. Nor does it state anything about shaming others because they didn't have vaccines and went to HR conferences. <laughs> but when it comes to shifting and adapting production because of the coronavirus, Hastings said Netflix is able to produce in Canada, Europe, and Asia, where the coronavirus is less widespread than it is in the United States, where it's projected to go away after the elections. I lied and added that last part. Really? Back to you. You, you don't say. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. I really do feel bad for the guy because did you hear? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the part that hit me the most um, is that he he touts that family is the most important thing, but he's sacrificing the family to keep addressing employee issues. So he stays at work late to address those employee issues to make sure that he is pushing that mentality that family is always first. So I can only assume that the reason he stays so late is because he is that 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 kind of a guy that he's emotionally and physically and spiritually invested in the organization so much that he's neglecting his own um, work life balance to do so. So it's commendable, but I feel bad for his spouse and the kids who do suffer in the process. I feel bad for him, Rick. And here's why. Because Carol Baskin is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. And she became famous through Netflix, and he wasn't invited. I read about that. <laughs> You're right. That is messed up. He's made so many people famous, and he's get, he gets no credit for it. That is messed up. But you know what, though? I'm sure his family do enjoy that millionaire lifestyle. I'm sure they do. They're hating it. 
Yeah. They'd they rather have mac and cheese. And jet. Yeah. Let's have mac and cheese and struggle sharing bologna. Right. No. <laughs> You're enjoying it. Don't even. But remember, that kind of work ethic is what got him to where he is today. Let's be honest about that. Right. And once you get comfortable to a specific lifestyle, it doesn't become that atta- that that goal. It becomes the norm. And now when that becomes the norm, now you get to complain about other things. Again, I'm not I'm not belittling what he is going through. I'm just throwing the facts out there from how I see them, how I see the information that you just communicated over. So. (laughs) Oh, you weren't done. You weren't done. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That was it. That was it. I was just saying that it's yeah. Work life balance is important, but let's be honest. He wasn't going. Well, I don't know if he's out there, you know, doing coke and hanging out with strippers. I'm pretty sure he's out there really working at the office, right? <laughs> doing all these things. But yeah. All right. Hang on. Let me rewind this. Ready? <laughs> okay. I threw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Love that note. Love that note. Businesswire.com. This will be a quick one. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Haynes Brands. That's HBI on the New York Stock Exchange. They're a leading uh, global marketer of everyday basic apparel under world classics brand, world-class brands. Uh, today, they did announce the appointment of Kristen Oliver to the position of Chief Human Resource Officer. She's a accomplished HR strategist and leader. 48 years old, joins Hayden's Brands from Walgreens Boots Alliance, where she was Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resource Officer for Walgreens. She has also held Chief Human Resource Officer roles at Chico's FAS and Walmart Incorporated. She has more than 15 years of executive human resources and HR systems experience, employment labor law experience, including business strategy, development, international operations, employee and labor relations, employee development, training, compensation, and recruiting. It has also been reported that our sources within the HR Talk Network have began reaching out in an attempt to potentially get her on the program in the near future. Kristen L. Oliver, appointed Chief Human Resource Officer of Haynes Brands. We look forward to finding out whether or not uh, the message made its way to her. If you know her, feel free to let her know that uh, we would love to have her on the program to talk a little bit more about her vast experience over the years to include her new appointment. That would be awesome. Anything else to add on that one, Rick? No. Um, I'm just congrats. She has a heck of a resume, right? Yes. That, that is a really good resume to have. So good for her. I would love to have her on to have that conversation because I it's I think people, our audience need to hear um when people reach a a a specific superstar status, they do need to hear their humble beginnings. And I would love to get really dive deep into what got her into HR and how she got to where she is right now. That's awesome. And and listen, there's a lot of other HR related podcasts out there. Sometimes we put things out there into the world where it doesn't always pan out on this program because of who we are and our style. And with that being said, should any of these people decide to go on another program, go for it. Great. It's only going to make us all stronger at the end of the day. Right. Your last current event news article of today. And this one's, I love that note. It's going to be really, really quick. This is from Harper's Bazaar. Uh, As we move forward into Stranger Things season four debuting, 
It has officially been reported that season four will not be the end of the series. Awesome. I love that show. It's I'm assuming you've been keeping up. Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't know what it is about shows that take place in the 80s that are just spot on. That's one of them. And, bro, have you been keeping up with Cobra Kai? That is a whole oh, other yeah. show. No, watch the entire that thing. We a- do have to talk about that a little bit more. Manny talks. Yeah. He listens to this show all the time. Uh, he said that he was about to delve into watching the Cobra Kai series as per our recommendation from the last episode. And he, uh, we we should probably get him on the program at some point we as should, well. Yes, he's down we in Texas. Should. Great guy. Uh, he's got a lot to say, a lot of good things going on there. Guess what, Rick? What? You want to show it out this? Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories. This one's coming to us from WHIO-TV7. Florida woman has been bitten by an alligator while trimming her trees. Out of Fort Myers, a Florida woman was bitten by an alligator Thursday morning while she was trimming some trees by the edge of a lake. The Florida Wildlife and Conservation Commission said a 27-year-old woman who has not been identified, was bitten on both legs around 9 a.m. by a 10-foot, 4-inch alligator. She's in stable condition after being taken to the hospital and treated for her injuries. I think Florida is the only state that you can be killed by a gator, you can be killed by a shark, you can be killed by a frozen iguana falling from a tree and lightning all in the same year. I don't know of any other... Any other state that has that kind of... Oh, and a meth head, right? That too. I don't know of any other state that has that kind of danger out there, that diverse danger for for the citizens and visitors. You know. Story! Your final story of the day. This is coming from DailyMail.co.uk. Florida woman, 19 years old, offered a deputy oral sex if he'd give back her confiscated jewel. She needed it for anxiety after she was arrested for urinating in front of a police car. The 19-year-old woman was arrested Sunday in Leesburg, Florida. Cops found her heavily intoxicated, sitting on the median of Highway 27. She urinated in front of a deputy squad car and then was arrested. While being taken into local jail, she offered oral sex to the officer to give her the confiscated jewel e-cigarette back, according to the arrest affidavit. She was charged with disorderly intoxication, a misdemeanor, and offering a bribe to a public servant, which is also a felony. So next week's Florida Man story is going to be Leesburg police officer accepts bribe and lets criminal go. Oh, man. Oh, no. Well, look, at the end of the day, the deputies, they did speak with her boyfriend, uh, who is 22 years old and, and smelled of alcohol as well. Um, in the discussion, they wound up arresting him for drunk driving as well. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just a bad day for that couple all the way around. Does the boyfriend um, know that the offer that she proposed to the uh, deputy? I, I believe that's why they went to talk to him and then they arrested oh, him. <laughs> For, for drunk driving. Um, she okay. was uh, she, she was listed as working in real estate 
in her arrest paperwork. It was released from Lake County Jail after posting $3,000 bond. Her arraignment is set for September 29th. Now, um, if, she, if she, I don't know if she's an independent real estate person or she works for a real estate company. I'm sure when they find out about this, she may not be a real estate agent for that company much longer. I have nothing else to say about that. Yeah, I uh, and then else, man. I got nothing. You know, I'm, I'm even gonna stop. The, I'm gonna stop the music because I was gonna make final thoughts quick, and I'm just I'm still flabbergasted by that. Anyways, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll uh, final thoughts over to you to start. I just it's too much. It is. It is, and I know. Um, I've JC. I've gotten some feedback personally. Feedback on my uh, on my Twitter feed and my Instagram about why am I pushing so hard for people to be kind? And my my, my is I'm it because you were mean to me last week? Uh, I mean, mean. That's. I mean, you probably deserved it. So here's the thing, right? So when I <laughs> see. Um, no, they weren't like, oh my God, why are you pushing? Like, hey, so what's going on? Are you okay? Look, guys, I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for following up and for the kind gesture. Um, it, it just, it just, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people attacking each other. I'm seeing a lot of people that go out of their way to be an ass to each other. And it's just, I, I think people should go out of their way to be kind to each other until it becomes as normal to be kind to each other as people are a host to each other right now. <laughs> so that's why I keep pushing that. Just, just be kind to one another. You never know what somebody's going through. You never know what is the straw that might break their back. So just, just be out there to, to make sure you connect with people and you help them out the best way you can and just be a kind human being. That's my final thoughts. My final thought over here, wrapping up and heading directly into the goodbye here at the same time. Uh, I think that we really should redress a emergent offer. Uh, to the HR lady, Wendy Sellers, have her on and have the two of you chat for a little bit. Might not be a bad idea. I think that yep. uh, could help bring some finality to the world of Twitter and a lot yep. of the uh, discussions that are taking place at this time. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Senior Executive Lucy, who we absolutely love, appreciate, and, and adore for everything that she does for the program, Big thank you going out to our temporary interns. Big apology going out to Edel Feinberg. We completely understand that you will not be helping us with social media now uh-huh. and that that was misconstrued by our intern. Uh, An apology out to Paige Sparks. Looks like our schedules didn't work out today. You're certainly more than welcome to come back into the program. But a huge thank you to Employment Labor Attorney David Miklas for always listening. You're a great man, gentleman and scholar. On behalf of Ricky Bynes, his dog, and me, JC, drive safe. Have a good night. I'm going to go get me a spicy burrito. Oh, yeah. Um, Next week. Next week, we've got some great clips from HR Florida. Some vendors that you sat down and talked with. We're going to be dropping some serious knowledge with some great stories next week. Stay tuned. I'm still not getting my spicy burrito.